Welcome to Intimacy Play, a podcast by Pleasy Play. We host open discussions with world-leading experts on couples, sex, and intimacy, so you can build a more exciting, fun, and intimate relationship. I'm your host, Michaela Silva. So, hi. Today, we are here with Fran Bush. She's an award-winning comedian, uh, writer, and performer. I'm sure a lot of you have actually seen her solo theater performance, Ad Libido. I haven't, and I'm so sad that I'm not in the UK. You have to do uh, an European tour, please. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> yes, I'm going to buy the ticket. Trust me. <laughs> first, first row. So Fran not only is a comedian and a writer, but you also talk about female sexual dysfunction and everything that you talk about has to do with yourself and how, and how you deal with this and how you search for satisfying a sex life. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of my experience with sex um, started it from a place of not really enjoying it and sometimes finding it painful. Um, you know, I think you're told when you're a teenager that sex will be painful the first time, but um, which I now know it doesn't have to be at all. Like if you're relaxed and you use lubricant, then sex definitely doesn't have to be painful the first time. Um, but I think I was very nervous. I didn't really understand that, um, we had to do anything before penetrative sex. Um, and so for a really long time, sex were very, was very painful. And I, there was nowhere really to speak about that. And for years and years and years, I sort of kept this to myself and learned a few things that made sex better for me but it wasn't really until I started talking about it in public on stage uh, that actually things really started to change for me because I found there was so much shame around sex and, and people really they wanted to show that they were having amazing sex lives and they were coming four times in one sexual session um, and no one was really willing to say that actually sex is sometimes really hard and uh, not always the glorious pornified experience we see or hear about. My gosh, you touched on so many important points. <laughs> um, one, one thing that got me thinking is, so when did you actually make the decision to talk about this? Because like you said, it's, it's a stigma. People don't talk about it, especially about the bad parts or about the not so good parts, if, if we can put it that way. So how did you decide and why to be vulnerable and be open about this? Yeah, so I think I turned 30 And uh, there's this idea that in your 30s, it's meant to be the best decade for sex for women, apparently. That's like this idea. Um, and I think I hit a bit of a wall with it because I was like, I'm 30. I should be having the most incredible lovemaking. Um, and I just started to talk very quietly about it. And I think I was expecting people to be like, nope. That's not my experience. Please stop talking about sex. You're making me very uncomfortable. But that's not what happened. The more I started speaking about it, the more feedback I was getting, the more people were sitting down and saying, actually, I have this problem, or I thought it was only me, or 
Um, I had people saying, you know, they were struggling with maintaining an erection or they were struggling with uh, it taking them too long to come or too, it was too quick for them to come. And everyone, I think the thing is that everyone at some point in their life will have something or be with someone that has some kind of sexual difficulty. And we just, we don't talk about that. So the moment I started having those conversations with people, I felt less alone with it because it was certainly something I had felt really on my own with. And as soon as I was uh, in a room of people who afterwards, when they'd heard my show or listened to my story, they were saying, oh yeah, no, actually, me too. And that it's not, it's not abnormal for those things to happen. So uh, the more I did it, the easier it got, the more rewarding it was. Um, and yeah, that's sort of now become one of the main things I speak about. You even state on your show that approximately 40% of women have some sort of female sexual dysfunction. So it's mm. a huge percentage. People don't talk about it. But why don't they? Do you, do you have an idea why? I think because we're not told about it. The sex we're shown is beautiful uh, or I guess we see sex that works. It's very rare that we see sex that is maybe either, it might be painful or people just lose interest in it halfway through. We don't see that side of sex. Um, and so to actually put your hand in the air and say, oh, I, my experience of this is different is very frightening and especially talking about it with a sexual partner that can you are making yourself really vulnerable in doing that it's really it's a really intimate honest conversation that you're having to have um, and I think sometimes from my experience when I've spoken to partners about it they've taken it very personally And so they've been like, oh, it's, it's me. It's my penis. My penis is not doing the job properly. Um, I will have to work harder to make you orgasm. I'm going to work really hard at this. You've got a problem. I'm going to fix you. And so you end up feeling like you're more of a, a problem and something that needs to be fixed. Or um, I certainly, I think one of the main things I felt is really broken. Uh, like my body should work like this, but it doesn't, it, it works in a slightly different way. But really no one ever told me that was possible. Like I went to the doctors about it and they were confused and embarrassed often. Um, I was told to just have a glass of wine to loosen myself up a bit. Um, and I think there's this idea that it's not really an important thing. So it's fine. Like it's important that you can have sex, but it's not really important that you enjoy sex. Um, or certainly it's a, it's a lot less important. Uh, but for me, I think everything was a bit interconnected because I was finding sex painful which was meaning that the next time I was going to have sex, I was anticipating pain. So I wasn't getting turned on. 
And then because I wasn't getting turned on, the sex was more painful. And I was just in this cycle going round and round um, to the point of just sometimes not even really wanting sex at all. And then, of course, in a relationship, that's, that's quite difficult having those conversations with your partner. I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening are actually, um, you know, thinking that this is their case. So before we, we dig deep into this and, and how, how we can, um, you know, live better with this, what is female sexual dysfunction? And uh, are there any types of symptoms or indications that we can um, associate with that we should be aware of? Yeah, so it's an umbrella term that covers uh, pain during sex, low arousal, and um, difficulty orgasming. Now, it's really it's a really tricky thing because a lot of those things are difficult to measure. Like one person's really horny, completely aroused, is probably someone else's normal level. So it's really difficult to know um, how much of a problem these things are. And actually, the only thing that you can really measure is if it's causing you distress. So if you would like to feel more aroused than you currently are, or you would like to be orgasming more than you currently are, um, sex shouldn't be painful. But because sex is so much in our heads and so much in our bodies, it's really difficult to undo those two things. Um, but there's lots of causes of painful sex. So um, you, might, you might just have a larger partner. You might have some small tears. Um, you could have thrush. Um, but so if you have pain, it's really, really important to go and get checked by a doctor because there are so many reasons that uh, you could be experiencing pain. The other two are a little more difficult, I think. So low arousal and if you're struggling to orgasm, um, because everyone's body is so different. It's hard to know at what point those two things become a problem. Yes, I mean, for, first of all, thank you so much for that definition because it really broadens the spectrum and lets us, you know, s uh, see and understand that it's it, it is a common issue and people should talk about it and should try to understand how they how their body works and how to make it work better. But you touched the point before where you said you don't need to be fixed and people shouldn't think like that because I mean you are not broken, you just mm. function in a different way. So yeah. how can people that have some sort of dysfunction, um, first of all, pass the message that, you know, I am not broken. And second of all, what can they actually do to try and, and you know, feel better about themselves and above all, have a better sexual relationship? Yeah, I think I almost had to stop. I think the word dysfunction is, it's not a very nice sounding word, is it? And that's why it links into feeling broken. Like dysfunction, I always think of like a like a vending machine that's got stuck halfway through dispensing a Kit Kat or like a computer that needs just to be turned off and turned back on again. And it's it feels so unsexy. Um so I think I I mean things that have really helped for me have been just learning to talk about these things. Um like learning what I need and what I like which was, I think, something I just had no idea about. I thought sex was for my partner. I never thought about sex being for me at all. 
So I learned all the right noises to make. I learned like how to look sexy. So it was all very performative. I was performing sex for them. Um, and I think I was really happy that they were having a good time and that really boosted my confidence. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so good at being good at sex. But my own experience of it, I was really not even thinking about, just really deprioritizing. So putting myself back in the center of sex and thinking about what I needed, that was one of the first steps for me. I mean, a really simple thing was just using lube. Like that was huge. And I think I had always thought that lubricant was something if you were really broken or something like an admission of failure. It was really saying, look, my body doesn't produce the thing it needs. And so I was always a bit embarrassed about it. But lube just makes all things better, it makes sex on your own better, sex with a partner better, sex with sex toys better, like every single thing. If you add lube, it, it is better. Um, and I think I like gaining that confidence to bring it out of the drawer during or before sex or because I think I was worried that a partner would be like oh she needs lube what does that what does that mean why isn't she working properly and I think just having all of those like those shoulds my body should do this I should orgasm after this amount of time um I should be having sex this many times a week they were, it was so unhelpful for me and I don't know who set those standards in my head. Um, so I had to really just start to think about what I needed, what I liked. Like now, I think I would have been really embarrassed maybe a few years ago to ask to use sex toys during sex. But now I cannot imagine life without them. And I think also, oh, like the main thing is penis and vagina sex, penetrative sex of any kind, just not being the holy grail of sex. I think I thought that if I couldn't orgasm from something inside my vagina, then I was just hugely, hugely broken. But like opening it up and realizing that actually, like a massage is really nice. Um, like using a massage oil, uh, is really lovely. My toes are weirdly sensitive at the minute. <laughs> My ears used to be incredibly sensitive. They've changed a bit, but like, I think that's all part of it going, actually, our bodies change all the time. Our bodies change depending what day of the week it is. Uh, mine changes depending where I am in my cycle. So just being like, flexible because I think I was in the past I was a bit like this is how I have sex uh, we do this amount of foreplay then we move to the penetration um, and that and that is the the goalpost so I think being like actually no that sex doesn't have to look one way there's no such thing as normal sex and that's much more fun as well you've touched on so many points that actually I think are generic for a lot of people. 
So one of the statements that I want to make is, yes, sex with lubricant, please. It's almost like eating apple pie without cinnamon. <laughs> okay, if you don't like cinnamon, that's fine. But I think most of us do. And it's amazing with apple pie. So it's it's not because it's not good, the apple pie. It's just it makes it even better. You yes. Know? The body doesn't need to produce the amount of uh, fluids that you think are maybe enough. It just needs to be there. You know, you just need to have the right mindset and please use lube. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Please, thank you so much for, you know, for stating that. Yeah. And also, I think our brains don't work. They're not, it's not a tap. So it's not like, oh, we see a sexy thing. Gush. We're incredibly wet suddenly. Like sometimes I'll be making a sandwich and I'm suddenly really wet. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm turned on by sandwiches. This, peanut butter is not my thing. That's, that's not my kink. Um, but we're not like that. We're not like taps. So sometimes we can be really turned on and not wet at all. Um, and sometimes uh, we're just sitting doing nothing and suddenly our body is, uh, is a river. Um, so yeah, like just getting rid of those expectations in our heads and yeah, lube is your friend. <laughs> Thank you for helping out with that, because I do believe a lot of women struggle with that. You know, I don't get wet enough. I don't, I'm not, I'm not good enough. So my body's not going to work like, like it does. And then it, it goes into that loop that you were saying, you know, that, that you're not aroused. And then your, your mind starts being very worried about that. And it just get, goes round and round and you don't get things working. Yeah. Um, you also talked about, you know, stating to your partner, did you have a, a sexual dysfunction or did you have a, something that you want to talk about? So how do you do that? So how can people, you know, approach the other half or just somebody they've just met uh, and they want to be more intimate with, that they have something that they want to disclose and you, or even say, you know, I don't like it this way. I don't like penetrative sex or this is what I like. I think it's something I always found really difficult because often it is with someone that you really want to like you and you, it, you're exposing something very personal. Um, now I, f I feel a lot more confident about it. And I think actually it's a really good litmus test. If someone reacts badly to those things, then actually maybe they're not someone who you want to sleep with. Maybe they're not someone that you want to share your body with. Um, because it's about respect and consent and communication. And if they're not interested in you having the best possible time, then I don't think it's going to be very good sex. Having said that, it is a really difficult thing to discuss. And sometimes, like I've definitely been in long-term relationships where I've told them later into the relationship because it's been hard at first to say those things. But then, of course, the longer you leave it, the bigger the thing it becomes. And suddenly you're telling someone that you've been having sex with regularly, that actually it's been painful for you some of that time or that you haven't been enjoying it. And I think the way to do it is to make sure that it doesn't feel like a criticism. It doesn't feel like you're saying sex is bad. Um, I, I think it's often about framing it as how would you feel if we tried it like this? Um, just opening it out. And then actually 
because that just makes a space for everyone. And often I find that as soon as I'm saying, look, is it okay? How would you feel about if we, um, we try this thing and maybe we use this sex toy? It, I often find my partner then will be like, oh, this is something I've wanted to try. How do you feel about this? Um, once you open the door to having really honest, communicative talks, I think sex can only get better. And yeah, I think it's just a really, a really healthy practice. It is difficult, I think, having sex outside of a relationship sometimes. Um, but it's still really good to practice those things saying, you know, sometimes I can find sex painful, but I'll find it less painful if we do this. Um, this is, these are the things that I really enjoy doing. It's yeah. It's like just, um, giving yourself the best chance of having a nice time. You use a lot of comedy. So, I mean, you are a comedian, obviously. Um, if I tried it, you know, it wouldn't go well, but <laughs> And you also share a lot of your um, a lot of your inputs, a lot of things that happened to you in the theater performance ad libido. So is is in this act anybody that goes and watches the show? Can we get more tips on how to you know um, get get things across, how to try new things, and how to talk to to your partner in a different way? Yeah, absolutely. So my my show that I do. It follows my journey, basically. Um, and I think it follows a lot of people's journey. Um, so it's showing me, uh, I, I talk about going to the doctors. I talk about uh, some of the different relationships that I've had. Um, and overall, like, I talk about how, you know, there isn't like a, a quick fix and there isn't, Like there isn't something you can just snap your fingers and, and it makes everything better. But the more we talk about these things, um, the better things are going to be. Uh, because when certainly, you know, when I was a teenager and I was becoming sexually active in my late teens, there was just no one talking about this and access to the internet was really limited. So uh, other than Googling it on my like parents home computer I just didn't know who to turn to so I think it's uh for people that come to see my shows um, and engage with my work it's just a feeling that actually you're, you're not on your own this is happening this is happening in bedrooms behind closed doors everywhere um it's very very rare that someone's sex life will be completely perfect or always work um every single time Yes, you help everyone with a lot of sexual education. So thank you, because <laughs> you are, you know, helping, you know, talking about things that people don't usually talk about and usually don't, uh, you don't learn at school, which you mm -hmm. should, by the way. Uh, if anybody's listening and they have a voice on this, please let's put sex ads in schools mm. all over the world. People need to know more about sex education, not just about using a condom to not get pregnant although that's very important. But yeah, everything else that has to do with um, pleasure, with uh, bodies and everything. And um, to do the show, I know you research a lot into, into sex education. So in this research, what things have you found that are maybe odd or that most people don't know that you can share with us? 
or funny stories, whatever you, you feel. Yeah. I mean, so I, I talk, I've talked to a lot of couples and um, I, I guess it's just, it's been really lovely to talk to other people about sex because we don't often hear how other people have sex. We don't hear what happens behind closed doors at all. So one of the main things that happened to me was I ended up going to a sex camp. Um, I, I reached a point where I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I really wanted to enjoy sex. Um, and so I did a lot of research online and I signed up for uh, a sort of sex festival in the middle of the countryside um, and sort of had the time of my life. Um, like I talk about it quite a lot in the show. It was a camp where they didn't believe in penetrative sex at all. Like penetrative sex for them was the lowest form of sex. Um, and I'd never really, although like I knew that in my head, I'd never really been around people who thought that way. Was this a camp for women and men? For both? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it was about just touch and like eye contact and slowing right down. Um, but penetration was seen as really secondary. And that was really revolutionary for me because even though I'd done loads of research and I knew that it's is it something like, is it two thirds of people with vaginas don't reach climax um, consistently from penetrative sex. I think that's the statistic. Um, even though I knew that, I was still chasing the penetrative sex dream because that was most of the, the kind of sex I was having. Um, and so to be in a camp where actually that was banned and frowned upon and there's one place in the whole camp that you're allowed to go for penetrative sex and it was sort of a really shabby cold caravan um was brilliant for me um and yeah like it sort of taught me that sex is just such a large range of things like sex can just be hugging if you want it to be um sex can be being tied up um, and spanked if you want it to be. But that sex where, yeah, a penis goes in and out of a vagina, that, there's not many nerve endings in a vagina. Like if there were loads of nerve endings, giving birth would be, oh, like a whole, I mean, it is painful. It's a very painful thing, um, but it would be a whole new level of painful. Um, so yeah, I think it was going to this, sex camp where a lot of people were naked a lot of the time and after a while you just you kind of got bored of seeing naked bodies because you've seen so many of them that it just felt really normal and you felt very at home in your skin um so yeah that was that was one thing that really changed my perspective on sex some people there thought that sex was just looking in someone's eyes and just having eye contact. Um, but the trouble is then, when I left the camp, 
and started having sex in the outside sex camp world. Um, uh, if you haven't been to sex camp, it's a lot harder to get. You know, if you're on a date and you're like, hey, do you want to come back to mine? And we'll look in each other's eyes. Um, it doesn't go so well. <laughs> and, and that's a really difficult thing to talk about with a, with a new sexual partner as well, being like, okay, so um, I was just thinking, uh, instead of penetration, we could just hug for 30 minutes instead. Um, so it's about compromise and about listening and talking. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would go back to sex camp, but it was a, a wonderful experience. Because you're right about sex education. No one teaches you those things. No one teaches you. Like, I didn't know that I was meant to enjoy sex or that I could enjoy sex. That was something I was never told. I was never told I had a clitoris. Um, I was never told that I could orgasm. Um, I was told that if you had a penis, you could orgasm. I, could tell, I got told that that orgasm could get you pregnant or give you a sexually transmitted disease. And that was, that was it. That was all I was told. I feel like I should have been taught that, that I could say no to things and that I could say yes to things and ask for things. Um, I remember the first time a boy uh, said, can I go down on you? And I just was like, what? Why? Like, why would you want to do that? Like, that makes no sense to me because I just thought everything was meant to be for them. I didn't think any of it was meant to be for me at all. I'm actually, I'm actually sad that, you know, it, it got to a point where uh, you were surprised that, 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 a, that a man could, could suggest that. So mm. it, it, it gets to that point that people should talk about things and um a little bit of advice that i was thinking so if you go to sex camp maybe on tinder put something like um i want to have sex in 30 minutes uh, hugs and uh <laughs> eye contact stuff like that maybe that's a good idea uh, i think no, so yeah <laughs> no just joking obviously but i love the fact that sex camp opened the way that you saw sex you know it's it's not just penetrative sex and a lot of people don't have this type of sex and it's okay Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, for years I thought penetrative sex was the only kind of sex, and also you know that really speaks to the sort of heteronormative sex education that we get. I can't even imagine being in the school classroom I was in and thinking like this is not the kind of sex that would represent me, the kind of sex I will be ha having. Um, I think that must be incredibly isolating. Talking about something that's absolutely hilarious is the diary of my broken vagina. So I watched the clip uh, that you did for Channel Channel Four. Channel Four, channel yeah. four exactly for Channel Four, and it's it's to die out laughing. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so can you can you give um, and can you explain to the audience what this clip is about? Yeah. So it's um. I mean, it's it's this story of me and sex really um it's it tells the story of, of me turning 30 and deciding that I needed to fix sex um but also uh, when I was a teenager I kept loads of diaries I have so many diaries and I 
thankfully, although also probably quite embarrassingly, really, really documented trying to lose my virginity. And so I have it in a list at the back. So it's like attempt one, attempt two, attempt three, and everything that went wrong. So, um, you know, we, we bought these condoms that had like a numbing gel in the end of them because we thought that, well, <laughs> I don't know which one of us thought this, but we thought that um, on your first time, the boy might not last very long. I think that's what we'd been told. So we bought these numbing condoms, um, but it just, it numbed everything and numbed everything so we we couldn't feel where one of us began or one of us ended um but I've got this like this quite incredible list of all the times I tried to lose my virginity and everything that went wrong um so yeah the 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 pilot is the beginning of that story um the 30-year-old Fran and 16-year-old Fran and the the lengths I went to to try and improve my sex life and I think you know I've, I've learned so much stuff on the way but the biggest thing really is going that actually I that definitely I am not broken I'm not and trying to have sex in a certain way or the way that society says that I should have sex is the most damaging way of all. Um, and also, you know, lots of things about like accepting our bodies and feeling comfortable in our bodies. Like I think I used to always want to have sex with the light out because I'd be like, oh, they can't, they can't see my vulva because I'd been told at school that vulvas were ugly or they smelt or that we shouldn't have any hair there, or that we definitely should have hair there. And so whatever I did, I felt like I was doing the wrong thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to make some more of the Channel 4 um, series. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I think there's definitely a way of telling my story that is sad and painful. And it's me in a doctor's office and it, everyone is angry and no one ever falls off the bed or gets stuck trying to take off their own bra. Um, but the truth is that sex is really funny and you have to laugh at these things, I think, because um, it, it's in laughing at things that we feel more able to talk about them. And uh, that takes away a lot of the stigma and shame that surround these things. And you portray it in such a funny way. It's amazing. So anybody that hasn't seen it, search for The Diary of My Broken Vagina, and I'm sure you'll love it. And is your upcoming book also about this? Can you tell us more? Yeah. So my book is called My Broken Vagina, um, and it's coming out in May. It's available to pre-order now. Um, so yeah, it's it's my story of trying to learn to enjoy sex, but also throughout it, I've spoken to a lot of couples, uh, spoken to people uh, on their own. And the, it's where I learned that actually everyone, everyone has something. Everyone um, will find something difficult about sex. You know, they might have just had a baby and now sex is different they might be going through the menopause and now sex feels different. 
um, there's so many changes that we go through. Relationships change. So there's lots of interviews in the book with different people and also just like little self-care like tips. So throughout the book, um, there are little things that I've tried and they're not, a lot of them aren't huge, big things like going to a sex camp. Um, you can if you want, <laughs> but a lot of them are just a, like really small little things like being alone with your body which is something I found really hard. You know, I'm surrounded a lot of the time by very sex positive messages. And so my bubble is really sex positive. And like all the time, the messages are saying, touch yourself, masturbate, learn what you like. Um, and at some point that actually became a, an enormous pressure for me because I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not masturbating enough. I'm not, I don't understand my body enough. I don't know how it all works. And so for me, like breaking it down into like, okay, I don't need to buy all the sex toys straight away. I can start just by touching myself and taking it really slowly and taking away the goal. So taking away the pressure to have an orgasm, because I think the pressure of going, you, you've got to come, you've got to come, made it not a very enjoyable experience always and I think scientifically makes it a lot less likely that you will orgasm as well um I, I think I <laughs> I have quite a high level of anxiety as a human being and anxiety and stress are definitely things that can get in the, in the way of having um the sex life that you want to have so a lot of the things in the book are about just slowing down, breathing, massage, connecting, like uh, accepting your body. Um, Cause that's been massive for me. Um, I think, yeah, my brain is always so busy. So I will be having sex with my partner but I'm also thinking about whether or not I've left the gas on and um, what about climate change and is the front door open? And, you know, all oh, those are the, these books that I want to read and, oh, I left that thing in my shopping basket online and I should go back and get that. So about just like, learning to clear my brain um, has been massive. <laughs> so a tip to, to everyone. First of all, if you want to go into this hilarious adventure of Fran, you can pre-order the book now. And next time you engage uh, in a sexual relationship, please don't think about uh, climate change. <laughs> it won't help you uh, because it will definitely uh, disconnect you from your own body and your own feelings. Yeah, uh, but, but I get it. I, I get what you're saying. So uh, just, you know, just to wrap up for everybody, can you give us any tips on how you keep your relationship when you, so when you are in a relationship, how do you keep that relationship open, exciting, intimate? And above all, how do you make sure that all of this happens without that, all of that pressure and without feeling that you are broken? I think just to keep talking about it um, and to, to keep, a, keep an open mind and, you know, if, because I think our tastes change so much, we presume that we, we like a certain thing or we won't like a certain thing. And so for me, 
um, like I've just, there's been a really nice openness that's, that's come into my relationship where I'm going, okay, I, I, I'm not sure if I have ever wanted to do this thing before, but maybe we could explore it like this or how, how would you enjoy this? And I think, I mean, for me, it, it sounds so basic, but communication is just at the heart of everything for me and talking about how sex was, what worked, what didn't, not in a way that feels like an appraisal at work, not in a sort of, so on a scale of one to five, uh, how would you rate the sex? Not like that. In a way that feels like, okay, I really liked it when you did this. Let's do more of that. So that next time there can be more of that. Um, yeah I think I already mentioned but like sex toys not something I have used loads in the past but now cannot imagine I think I think it's the same with the lube actually because I think I thought using a sex toy in bed feels like a crutch or feels like I can't quite get your penis can't get me there on its own. I need this other thing. And I think I felt like it would be an insult to the holy penis that I needed something else. Um, and because I think that was the kind of sex I'd always had. Um, but now I'm like, Oh no, it makes it better. Having a sex toy makes it better. And they get more aroused because I'm more aroused everyone's having better sex. It's a, uh, it's win-win, I think. Everyone has a function. So the holy penis, please don't be insulted. You've got your function. <laughs> the sex toy has its function. And yes, I understand. We've got a lot of clients saying that before they, they've tried Pleasy Play, they had never tried a sex toy, a lot of mm. them. And it, it, re it really changed their uh, relationship in the way that they, they saw sex. Um, where can people follow you and, and know more about you and, and laugh about everything that you that you say? Sure. So I'm on Instagram at Fran Bush. Um, my bush has an E on the end of it. Um, there is a Fran Bush who doesn't have an E on the end of her bush. And she gets a lot of weird things that I think are maybe meant for me. Um, so yeah, Fran Bush. Bush with an E on the end, B-U-S-H-E. And I'm the same on Twitter. Uh, and my book is available currently on Waterstones and Amazon, um, but will be available in lots of lovely independent bookshops too. So, um, so that's in May. Perfect. And you'll keep us updated with new uh, tour dates for next year, very soon, I'll, hopefully. Yes. So at the minute we should be touring in May, um, but we will, we will see how the next few months go, but hopefully we should be bringing the show around the UK in May. I'll be booking a trip to the UK just to see the show. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm going to love it. I'll get you a, a front row ticket. <laughs> I, I will tell you when I go because it's, it's on my to-do list from everything that I've seen. And of course, from talking to you, I'm sure it's an amazing experience. Thank you so much, Fran. It was um, it was great to have you with us. And I've learned so much about, you know, just being open about things and not being afraid to say what you want and even what you don't like. And in one of the, for me, one of the biggest lessons that you've, you've taught all of us today is 
sex does not mean penetrative sex. So please think about sex in a different way. And I hope Fran uh, has helped uh, everyone with that because it, you definitely helped me with that. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that was Intimacy Play. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about Pleasy and how we can take your relationship to the next level, visit pleasyplay.com. Then also make sure to search for Intimacy Play in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Pleasy, thank you for listening.